I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Mm -hmm. It's uh, episode 187. And we're going to talk about uh, John Favreau's Chef from 2014. Yes. What a terrific movie this is. <laughs> if you're not hungry when you start, you oh, will be when you gosh. finish. Oh my yeah. <laughs> it's it's like food porn. Oh man! Was, I mean, making that grilled cheese sandwich. I was like, oh, I've had a grilled cheese in a really grilled long time, cheese. and I've never had one like that. Oh man! <laughs> How many cheeses can you put on one? Yeah, oh, my I love goodness, it. I yeah, know. that was really cool uh, uh, photography too. When he, you know, lifting, you know, he did that a couple times, right? You know, you lift it up yeah. to see if it's, you know, yeah, if, if it's, it's all right done. on the other end. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I learned that I have, technique from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have to take issue because he didn't squash it together properly. Oh, but that's you know, right. <laughs> he had a pro showing him how to do it. They, who knows about these professional chefs? So anyway, yeah. So this is a. It, it's an interesting movie in several ways, and I picked it because it just felt like a summer movie to me. Mm. It's it's light. It's fun. It's enjoyable it's got just enough conflict that you don't have to really worry about it you can kind of see things are going to be okay and yet somehow it's still captivating i mean the story is slight the conflicts are not life-shaking in most of the ways hmm. but everybody loves it and everybody who really cares about story says the same thing they'll hmm. go i shouldn't like this movie you know, you know his ex-wife already wants to get back together with him from the minute you meet him. She's mm -hmm. too helpful. That kind of thing. <laughs> Everything drops into his lap once he's gone through his initial conflict. However, you still like it, I think. Mm. Most people still like it. They don't understand why, but they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I sure did. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I thought there was a, a few things in there that were profound. Oh, yeah. Um, but really, you know, it's the actors. Um mm. You know, <laughs> I was really there with them, right there with the with the cornstarch and everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just I don't know. I really liked all the all the folks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and I was really um, caught up in it. It's like going on a food trip with some mm -hmm. friends or something, yeah. or a food trip, a road trip. I'm a sorry, road trip, right? A road food trip, <laughs> something a food like road that. Road trip. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's really. Um, somebody said, and I don't remember who, it's a joyous, feel-good celebration of family ties as well as creative fulfillment. Mm, there you go. Mm -hmm. Well put. Yeah, Very and well so put. it's the story of a chef who has hit a creative uh, stalling point maybe because he's not allowed to cook the way he wants in his restaurant, but he doesn't recognize that. It takes a critic coming in who says, wow, this guy used to be the edgiest, most creative, interesting guy ever 10 years ago. What's he going to do for me today? And what he does is the stuff that we all recognize. It's the chocolate lava cake. It's, you know, very set pieces that are completely out of date if you're going to be an edgy chef, especially. 
and he doesn't enjoy getting lambasted. This mm-hmm. chef of ours, played by John Favreau, who also I think wrote and directed it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. He also doesn't understand social media, and his young son introduces him to it. So when he is tweeting at this critic, he thinks he's sending private emails without realizing he's indulging in a flame war publicly. So then he's very publicly humiliated, and this sends him into a completely new path for his career because he's really stymied. He doesn't know what to do. No one will hire him. And... Of course, since it's a movie and we're being told the story, it winds up being a new expression of creativity, of finding himself again, of fulfillment, and of connecting with all the people in his life who he had been disassociated with. Hmm. Excellent. Does that sound? Yep. Okay. Yep. Very well put. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And it, uh, again, it's it's really just the people, right? You know, that that is a... A quick plot synopsis, <laughs> but it's like what happens uh, while all that's happening, <clears throat> you know, right. which is really the fantastic thing. And it really is feel good. I, you know, I left this movie feeling really terrific. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it just makes you feel good. Yeah. And, um, so and hungry. And hungry. <laughs> well, yeah, because once <laughs> he, he winds up, um, you know, this this is in the poster, so it's not giving anything away. But he winds up getting a food truck, and he has to, in Florida, in Miami, so he has to drive it back across the country to California, where he lives. And I have not been to Miami, but I wondered if you had the same feeling I did, where I was looking when they got to New Orleans. I was like, oh yeah, Cafe Du Monde, mm. naturally, and I was going. Why have we not back been back to New Orleans for so long? Hmm. And then they went to Austin for barbecue, which I don't, you know, I'm from Dallas, so Austin is fine for barbecue. But, um, but the roads, once they were driving through Texas, I was like, oh yeah, that's it. Felt so familiar. And then they're that's going cool. across New Mexico, and I'm like, oh yeah, from when I've driven to California. So, in a sense, it was like a nostalgic visit, too. I identified mm. with a lot of that stuff and enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And I've been to Miami a lot because um, I used to work there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it definitely had that feel. That's really cool. Yeah, and I, uh, the job site that I was at, uh, I had some Cuban friends, and they would hook me up, <laughs> <laughs> tell me where to go, you know. With a nice Cubano. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't remember the name of the dishes, but um, there was this one Cuban restaurant that we went to that served this stuff. It was almost chili-like, you know, but there wasn't beans in it, but it was ground beef. I just can't remember what it was called, but man, I ordered it every Quantum time once I found it. It's a frito, but I don't think that's right. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. 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 But yeah. 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 So okay. that was that was cool. And it gets there... Uh, I don't know, about halfway through the movie, huh? Maybe a little bit mm-hmm. before half. You know, we're getting on this road trip. And uh, that's what I remember when I think about it. Although the first half of the movie was terrific as well. Um, but it, it's showing him, you know, pretty lost, right? Yes. Yeah. He, he's denying it. Everyone around him sees it. Ex-wife keeps saying, why don't you get a food truck? I keep telling you to get a food truck. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do that. That's going backwards. <laughs> it's like, but you're not happy, or maybe it's his uh, hostess girlfriend. 
yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Right. Sophia Vergara, is that her name? Anyway, yeah, so Sophia all these Vergara, big stars yeah. are littered throughout this movie <laughs> in usually fairly small parts. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's in it, Robert Downey Jr., John, oh gosh. Leguizamo? Thank you. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to say, but I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And he usually plays bad guys, evidently, but this is the first role I've noticed him in, so I just, I'm in love with him. He's oh, so great. that's cool. Yeah. And, um... Anyway, so they're all the Oliver Platt as the food critic, and um, and I was watching it going, how did this guy get these stars for these little throwaway parts, a lot of them? And then I look up John Favreau and go, oh, I'm sorry, he's a huge director <laughs> who also acted some. Mm. So he did Iron Man and maybe Iron Man 3? Uh, I think he did one and two and was oh, like okay. a producer on three. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. And then the Jungle Book, the live action Jungle Book he oh, did yeah, after this. And so mm-hmm. he's hooked up already. He's connected. <laughs> and he said that when he did this movie, he wanted to kind of get back to his roots and do something really personal. Mm. And he'd been thinking about it for a while. And so what happens when you know that is the movie gains another layer because it's his personal statement about creativity. And both on an individual level, a personal expression, such as in the food truck, and also the big budget blockbusters, as in those set pieces he's serving at the first restaurant. Yeah. Because Mm. the owner, Dustin Hoffman, won't let him deviate and do what he'd like for the food critic. And in one way, of course, you hate that because we're being shown this amazing food that, look, we can see he does know how to do something greater but on the other hand, he's kind of making him be honest. This is not the food this guy has been serving. Hmm. You know, he has been serving the molten lava cake, the whatever else, and um, everybody loves it. Hmm. And at one point, I was really struck by the fact that <laughs> when he's having a public meltdown that winds up getting filmed on everybody's phones and then goes viral, he's got this handful of molten lava cake that he <laughs> shoving in the critic's face and going, yeah, you can make fun of this, but these people are enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Don't insult the cooks who make it and the people who are enjoying it. And I thought, oh, how interesting, because that can be taken as the defense of the big blockbuster, too. Yeah. It's not high art. It's not. It's too big of a machine to be a personal expression like a food truck is. But just because you like it doesn't mean that it's not enjoyable in its own way, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found an interview of him on a podcast, and uh, yeah, you've nailed exactly what he was saying. Oh, okay. um, yeah, just perfectly. He 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 said, um, you know, the the person that was interviewing him was a critic, I guess. You know, somebody who <laughs> reviews movies, mm-hmm. and um, he he kept returning to the critic, which was funny in the in the interview. Uh, not right. not John Favreau, but the questioner, the the interviewer. Okay. <laughs> but. Um, but uh, Favreau said exactly the same thing. He said, um, when, you, when you make a small movie like this, um, it's way more personal. And when you make like Iron Man, you are, you are like the head of a huge, giant team of people. And when it's a success, it's really a, a team victory. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a huge, huge group of people that pulled this off, right? But when you're doing something like Chef, it's very, very uh, personal. Right. And um, that's why he wanted to do it. It was like, 
you know, the, the exact same path as the, the chef. You know, Favreau didn't say this, but, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that, you know, here he started in the indie movie and then he became uh-huh. huge and then he returned to the indie movie. And then some of the some of the um, things that the character said in Chef are exactly the kinds of things that he would feel about that. You know, like, no, that's a step backwards, like you said before. Right. You know, people are saying, why would you do that? And, well, you know, it's a step backwards. But, man, this is just really what I want to do. Yeah. You know? And it's yeah. a small thing. but And he says it at one point. He's talking to his son because he's trying because another big strand is this father-son connection which is yeah. you know really great really great he says, i'm not good at a lot of things but i'm good at this i get to touch people's lives with what i do and i love it hmm. and in the movie the point that's being made is a sandwich is a way to touch people's lives even if you're just in a food truck mm-hmm. you're not um you never connect with them and that's like this little movie i mean it's interesting to me how many ways these are parallel mm-hmm yeah. And also, I like the idea, too, that you mentioned the critic. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of set up in a way to feel sorry for John Favreau and to not like the critic. But he allows the critic his own defense of his actions. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not disrespectful to the critic either. Because the critic is allowed to say, I didn't know you didn't know how to use Twitter. I thought we were doing theater. This is what I do. Mm. And also, let's be fair. What you were serving is not what you're capable of. I came to see what you were capable of, and you gave me that stuff. And you know, and he, at the end, he's like, you know, that was not what it could have been. Because mm-hmm. the guy's like, that hurt, man. The way you said that, that hurt. Which is how anybody feels when a critic comes at them. Yeah. But the critic was being fair, too. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's like, now that you're doing something good, I want to invest in it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and I liked how um, the critic moved, you know, Favreau off center. Yeah. Right? There, there, there wouldn't have been any movement, you know, he could gone another 10 years doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and knowing in his heart that, you know, I, I really want to be doing something else. Yes. You know. Because so, when uh, the critic comes and he's cooking in the restaurant and going to do something different the first night. We can see what interesting looking food he's capable of that looks delicious. And then um, when the critic's coming back for the second night and he's essentially, it's kind of a combination resignation been fired thing because he won't do the same old stuff again for the critic, which I'm like, why does this restaurant owner not get it? But there you go. Mm -hmm. He's stuck in his own pattern. And um, the the juxtaposition of they're showing the critic incredulously looking at the same tired dishes that he <laughs> saw before. And then we've got at home, John Favreau's like, here's what I would have cooked for him. And he's cooking oh, yeah. and cooking and cooking. And mm-hmm. it's just, it looks amazing. <laughs> I thought he was actually going to take it to the restaurant and go here, <laughs> but he didn't. Yeah. He went and essentially defended the food of the restaurant. Mm-hmm which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, that was an interesting choice. But it, yeah, if you keep the metaphor of the, the blockbuster, like you said again earlier, you know, he's defending that. Mm-hmm. He says there's a place for this and there's a place for that. Right. Yeah, they both. Both, yeah. yeah. Some people want this, some people want that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. It's prepared with care. Right. 
because Iron Man was a good movie, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it a great deal. Yep, yep. Well, and of course, the whole movie turns, as you said, he gets knocked off center by the critic. Mm-hmm. And um, we can see, as the movie's getting to that point, he is he's off center already. He just doesn't realize it. This opens his eyes to it. Mm-hmm. He's not connecting with his son although he thinks he is. He's making promises like, oh, yeah, we'll go to New Orleans sometime. Really? Oh, yeah, sure. Hmm. And the kid's taking him seriously. Or he'll go on these trips with his kid to buy radishes or whatever, you know. But he's not connecting with the kid. Hmm. He's just kind of having him tag along. Yeah. The ex-wife is clearly interested in connecting with him. He's kind of just ignoring her. Um. He has a relationship with a waitress or the hostess, Scarlett Johansson. And um, that, was, that was interesting when he's like, let me cook for you, baby. And she's like, oh, all right. You know, <laughs> and he's making this amazing looking dish. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a movie called Tampopo. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tampopo. So yeah. that is a famous, famous Japanese movie. And maybe just famous in certain circles, but um, maybe from, oh gosh, the 60s maybe. And so it's interesting because there's a bigger story arc, which is two truck drivers who go to a restaurant, a noodle place, and the lady making the noodles, they're like sitting there the whole time and they're just truck drivers critiquing the noodles. Oh, the water's not hot. The stock's not hot enough. This, this is going to be a terrible dish of noodles. So they decided they want to help her because her husband died and she doesn't know how to make the noodles. So the whole movie is about them trying to help her. How do you learn how to do it? How do you get set up? And it's theirs is a Western theme. They're wearing cowboy hats. Um, at some point, there's, I can't remember. I've only seen it once. It's like on their truck, there might be steer horns like you'd see on a oh, outrageous Texas car kind of thing. Anyway, that metaphor is carried on the whole way through. But at the same time, because it's kind of an experimental movie also, there are these little scenes that'll just cut to and drop in of all different kinds of people in this town and their experiences with food. Hmm. So one of them is a older Japanese lady. She's got all these young Japanese ladies in a restaurant. She's going, she's teaching them how to eat noodles European style. Do not slurp. Don't make any noise. So, and they're all like, well, then how do we eat them? So she's showing them how to daintily eat noodles. At the same time, there's an Italian guy over in a corner who's slurping the heck out of his noodles. <laughs> then it just shows them all slurping up noodles with great enjoyment. So, mm-hmm. um, But there's another slight theme that gets repeated, which is two lovers, a gangster and his girlfriend. And they have all these encounters involving food. <laughs> and that made me think of Tempopo. Oh, wow. <laughs> that little, you know, that little thing. They do where uh, where he's feeding Scarlett Johansson mm. that, those noodles. Well, he's not actually feeding them to her. <laughs> he's cooking them. She's eating them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a turn on. That's right. Good scene. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good. I love that movie. By the way, if anybody's Ten uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I really liked. Um, you know, there's just some truth to what he's doing. And I think that that's part of the appeal mm-hmm. of it. You know, there's a moment where he said, you know, I used to know exactly what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But now I no longer know what I'm going to do next. 
And, uh, you know, I've definitely felt that, you know, kind right. of a midlife thing where you've, you've kind of, you know, all the schooling's done, you've got the job, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, in my personal life, you know, I've taken this teaching job and then it's like, well, what do you do? What's next? <laughs> mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. You know, I don't know. I have for the, you know, first time in my life, that's not a clear vision. And, uh, so I can feel that that's, that was really interesting. So I think he's saying things that are true in this. Yeah. And I was never one of those people who was able to say, so in five years, where do you see yourself? Mm-hmm. I was always just like, well, I I'll be working, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I was really that type of person. It was more like there was always something to do next. It was like, Mm. okay, I should do this. And then, oh, clearly I should go do that. Clearly I should do this, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Ooh, you know, this looks interesting to me. I should do that. And then, um, yeah, so those things are done. (laughs) You know, I don't know if I'd call them goals even, you know, if they were some specific goal. Although well, when I was in college, I had a very specific vision of what I'd be doing. Oh yeah, um, and I I did I did end up doing that same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was kind of the job was very similar to what it was in my head when I started. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I yeah. Suppose. No, it's all good. Okay. It's all good. There's nothing negative other than you know you just feel a little, a little bit of drift. You know, wondering what's next. Well, and there of course are times in your life when you do. You know, a parent mm-hmm. dies. It's always something that you don't expect. And it's not always a critic. It can be. Um, I've had that happen. And it was just with a small church group. But it was the thing where I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. And things like, you know, a parent gets sick or dies or something happens with your kids or even when your kids are all gone. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, just leaving home. Something pushes you off that center. Yeah, same, same it pushes way the you off did. center, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. It's just you have to readjust. All your ideas are get shifted a little bit. And so it brings up that idea of the power of humility. Mm. You know, we are humbled, maybe not humility, but of being humbled, because we're continually being humbled, because we don't understand things the way we think we do. And so... When you have fallen down like that and you're drifting, how do you find the center again? How do you get back up? Yeah, yeah. And with him, it's the power of friends, really. His ex-wife says, come on with me. You know, he's resisting getting a food truck. She says, I just come down. I'm going to go on this trip. You come with me and watch our son while I'm working. And Hmm. she sets him up with her other (laughs) ex-husband. Who says, well, I've got this truck. Oh, yeah. thank you. Well, don't thank me till you see it. And it is just a total mess. So that's maybe also not what he expected. Yeah, yeah. Although he doesn't react to it in a huge way. It's just a funny moment. But Yeah, and I think that was a good thing, too. Um, if he had given him a pristine truck, I think that that would have gone differently. You know, in life, yeah. too. You know, it's like he had to put, he had to make that his. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that aspect of it. Work into it. Yeah, yeah. And then his son is with him, so he starts teaching him and having him help him. Mm-hmm. He's 10, maybe, or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then a friend comes along who worked with him in the restaurant and says, I, I just couldn't stay there anymore. Once I heard what you were doing, I wanted to be here and do this, too. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this is reminding me of something uh, that a pastor, uh, I heard a pastor say one time, 
and I say pastor, I think he was Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said something along, you know, this is definitely a paraphrase, something along the line that, you know, it, it can be lonely to achieve your goals. Um, <laughs> because when you get up to that plateau, there's nothing there but more work, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's never, it's never everything, right? And, and at his point, you know, being a pastor, he was saying, well, God is the only thing that's big enough to fill that, you know, yeah. uh, that desire. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that just reminded me of it a little bit. And, and then the same pastor actually used to talk about meaning. He, he always said the meaning in life lies in relationships. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, to have Leguizamo travel to Miami, it, it was like, you know, he saw something there that this is going to be really something, you know? Right. Um, and that's what he saw. So it's the meaning of life is not the achievement of, you know, this restaurant or being the chef of this restaurant. That's not the meaning. The meaning is the people that are around you, you know? Well, the people, but also the creative fulfillment that he's right. finding. Yes, that agreed, is agreed. The too. Yeah. And even though it's just a grilled sandwich, you know, everybody's loving it. And that's, and he's getting the joy of making it. Mm. And it's the hard work still. Yeah, yeah. But there is satisfaction in that. And that's Absolutely. what they're showing too. And that's what his son gets to see. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Right before uh, the podcast, we were talking about St. Martha. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And there was this thing on this page that I looked up about St. Martha where there's a prayer. And, uh, um, I'll just read read part of it here. Yeah, it says, it Dorothy Day said, so Dorothy Day, not St. Martha, but Dorothy Day said, if everyone were holy and handsome, it would be easy to see Christ in everyone. But it was not Christ's way for himself. Ask honestly what you would do when a beggar asked at your house for food. Would you give the beggar an old cracked plate, thinking that was good enough? Do you think that Martha and Mary thought that the old and chipped dish was good enough for their guest? It is not a duty to help Christ. It is a privilege. And uh, he made that point in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the chef, well, there's a point at which his son is making uh, a sandwich. And I thought that was really great, too. Uh, you know, the, the fulfillment in doing good work um, in his son was awesome. Loved mm-hmm. it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, they, he's making a sandwich, and one stayed in there too long, got a little bit burned, and... Um, this was their first round, so the people that they were serving were not paying. Um, they had helped them put the oven in the in the um, right. truck, so they were feeding them for free um, and testing things out at the same time. Right. But anyway, the kid was like, well, they're not paying for it. And uh, the chef actually was basically shut him down. It's like, all right, yeah. let's go outside. Let's have a quick chat. And he was just basically making the point, you know, no, that's not good enough. We don't want to give them an old cracked plate, you know. Right. We want to do our best every single time because we're touching people with this. And that's when he get, actually gives that speech about, "I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm good at this." Right. Right. You know, and that's the taking pride in what you do, and also the idea that serving other people is worth doing with your whole heart, like with the cracked plate or not cracked mm. plate. Um. And, and he pulls him apart enough that not only does the kid get it, but the audience gets it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that also goes back to his lava chocolate lava cake. It does. You know? Yeah, you're right. 
It's like it's not just a cake that somebody didn't cook all the way. It is very intentionally made like this. Here's how it's made. And these people like it. So just quit criticizing it. Hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 And we're going to do the very best lava cake ever. (laughs) Right. If (laughs) what they want is a lava cake, even though it's not edgy, it's going to be great. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting that way. Yeah. And the thing you're saying about the value of work, it's um, you see that cooking, which is like any hands on work, is about getting your hands dirty. Hmm. They're cutting up the pig for gourmet dishes. They're cleaning the food truck. And if we're lucky, our hands-on work is an expression of our passion. And so um, that's stuff like, you know, (laughs) I have to remind myself of that when I'm doing things around the house, like, because I do not like housework. So, you know, Mm. dusting. Mm. But it's about having a nice home for me and for everybody. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, I liked how you put that. If you're lucky, you're doing what you're passionate about. Right. Right. And even then, it's hard work. It is, yeah. There's never a time. It's kind of what you were saying when you were talking about you get up to that plateau, but that's not fulfillment enough. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but you never really hit that plateau because you either, if you've accomplished everything and you have nothing else to do, I feel like that's when people get in trouble. They get bored. Yeah, and that's what, that's what happened to our chef, right? Right. Our chef was on the plateau. Right. He made it. Also, right. He yeah. made it. <laughs> but no, <laughs> that's not that's not the, the end. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really wealthy people who you go, wow, they they're having trouble with drugs. They have no family. They commit suicide or whatever. And you're just going, yeah. Somehow they hit that plateau where there wasn't fulfillment in of some part of their lives, mm-hmm. or maybe more than one. Yeah, yeah. There's example after example that shows you that, uh, you know, money, although very nice, is not the the solution. <laughs> right. Right? It still it doesn't give you meaning. Yeah. That's pretty obvious. Not as someone who has money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I would still really like to have that, so please send checks. <laughs> and uh, all PayPal. Please but send yeah. checks. Oh, yeah, PayPal. <laughs> But heck yeah, you know, but yeah, there's so many examples that, uh, that we can look to that show us that that's not, that's not the end. That's not the goal. Right. And a lot of times, even if we can't put our finger on what's wrong, we know something's wrong. And I think that's why we see Carl getting so furious with the critic Hmm. because he knows deep down he's right. That's right. He sold out. He knows he should have stood up to the restaurant owner. Mm hmm. And even when he did stand up to the restaurant owner and leave, the critic calls him out on, oh, he's not even, doesn't even have guts enough to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's not being true to himself in any way at all. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And those are, think of how many stories we see in scripture about that. You know, the most famous is the prodigal son. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who <laughs> says to his father, essentially in biblical terms, I wish you were dead. Please give me all my money. You know, give me my inheritance. <laughs> that's yeah. the only time you'd get it is when the person had died. And the father does it. And he goes off and, you know, has the high life and goes in a downward spiral until he just has to almost literally come crawling back. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's such a good point. 
Yeah, and he's restored to more than he could have had. And so you think about how many people had those moments. I mean, look at King David. Hmm. He has done everything, and he's done it all with God's help, and then he wants Bathsheba. Hmm. So much (laughs) that he connives to have her husband killed. Right, right. Yeah. And then the punishment comes, but he takes it. Yeah. Once been pointed out once his critic nathan comes and tells him <laughs> the touching story of the man with the many sheep and the man with the one lamb yeah all that money all those riches all that land there's still something else that he wanted mm-hmm. he yeah wasn't and done. how many wives yeah. he has a lot of wives mm-hmm. yep amazing yeah so it's so true right that's just yeah. true We all hit those moments where we're dissatisfied with what we've got and we need to find our center again. Mm. Yeah. And that's hard work, too. It is. It is. Yeah, we talked about that when we talked about Barron's book, right? Finding that center was one of his three things. Mm Mm-hmm. Keeping that in mind, keeping in touch with that, you know, and then, you know, your life not being your own. Right. Yeah. Your life is not about you. Right, right. Yeah, because anybody in the Bible who you're allowed to see enough length of story about them has all those moments. Mm. Whether it's your fault or not. I mean, even look at um, Joseph of the Coat of Many Colors. Oh, yes. Uh Yeah, you know. Although, (laughs) you know, he's thrown into that pit by his brothers. They sold him to slavers. He's sold into slavery in Egypt. And you're like, oh, poor kid. And I'm like, except I feel like he might have been a spoiled brat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like maybe they weren't just going, wow, we don't like this kid. Because he's like, oh, I had this dream and you were all bowing down to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, that's funny. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking about the play, you know. Oh the, yeah, the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was it's played just like that. He's kind of a snotty, snotty kid at the beginning. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, he's super super, uh, you know, goody two shoes type of a guy. It depends on how you play it, obviously. But right. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> that feels real to me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 And I absolutely loved, you know, speaking of uh, sons and. Sons, you know, <laughs> the the Ooh. whole Carl and Percy, Percy being the kid, mm-hmm. um, that was just terrific. I really enjoyed yeah. how they played that entire thing. Um, yeah, yeah, and I loved how Percy was able to 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 teach his dad stuff, right? Even though his dad wasn't yeah. listening, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, on uh, social media, for example. Um, you know, he wakes up and he says, you had 1,600 followers last night. <laughs> what? He's like, what oh, good. What is my dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? <laughs> and yes. then, you know, Percy gets to tell him what it means. And, and then, uh, yeah, that's when Carl said, yeah, I sent a private message to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing private on Twitter. There's dad, nothing private. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that the other was cool. thing is, yeah, he introduces him to social media, but everybody around him is talking about it too. The only reason he even gets interested is because the two guys walk in and go, "Oh yeah, ignore Twitter." Mm-hmm. Like what? Nothing. Ignore it. Okay. And then the second guy's, yeah, f yeah. Twitter. You know. Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> so he starts looking into it, and then he sees what's going on and gets it explained. But it's an interesting kind of. They treat social media interestingly because Mm -hmm. Carl is so 
out of it in that way. He only cares about cooking. And he's obviously, so he's divorced himself even from regular life too, in that way. Yeah. He just has his own little inward looking world, which we know was, it, I understand the creative genius part, but you have to at least know what's going on in the world. Even <laughs> if you don't use Twitter, mm-hmm. which I don't. And, um, but what it's showing us is kind of how to use it in case we don't know. And and when I do this movie in um, senior communities, they're all very interested. Oh, I bet. I bet they would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little primer on it, even though Vine doesn't exist anymore. It gives them the idea good and well enough. But it also is making the point that, you know, it's a tool. How we use it is what matters with it. So you can have flame wars like he does initially with the critic. But the son, just in using it the way his generation does, is promoting it, is gathering interest, is kind of helping him as he goes across the country to where he's set up in his regular spot at the end of the movie, in the food truck anyway. And you kind of feel like that's what helped him get there. Mm, Yep. You know? And so then it's also, as you say, he he can teach his father something, too. It's not just a one-way street. Mm, Yep. Yeah, and for it's sure. a bonding thing, you know. And it's a what thing? Bonding. Bonding, Sorry. yes. Yes, yeah. And because that's the beauty of the movie. We all see and understand Percy's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that, that little thing, you know, when they're getting close to the end of their trip and the dad says, hey, this is going to go back to the way it was. I was just like, <laughs> what is wrong with you, dude? <laughs> oh, I just wanted to shake him. I was just like, man, what yeah. the heck? Yeah, like, I still don't understand what the heck he was thinking in that scene. No. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, yeah, no you it, can't work here on the weekends or whatever. It's just like, Yeah, what? it was clearly inserted, so it was clumsy storytelling. It was mm-hmm. clearly inserted so that he could show later, I miss him so much, yeah. let's make it happen. Right. It's not because the kid wants it, it's because I need him too, and therefore the kid will appreciate this even more. But mm. it could have been done better than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I loved how you know when they get to New Orleans, you know, and after they have their beignet, then uh, they get back to the truck, and there's a big old line. Yeah, and they're like, "How the heck did they even know we were here?" You know, well, I, oh, I I posted I it. I posted it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also it's a it's a lovely little look at male bonding. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Because as the kid yeah. gets to go back in the mm-hmm. food truck. He's learning what it is a little bit to be a man. They're singing. The two guys are singing sexual healing. He's embarrassed, <laughs> but laughing yeah. at the same time. There's right. the cornstarch bit. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's none of it is and very. And don't, don't forget the, the giving of the knife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was that a big was moment. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. That was a huge moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but Especially if, since he'd said, this is what I do. Right. And, right. um. It actually made me think of another movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it called October Sky. October Sky. Let's see. Was that? I think. Is it October about Sky? About NASA or something? Or October Rocket. October Sky. Yeah. And it's about, um, it's a real life story of somebody who wound up becoming a NASA engineer. But he started off as a kid in a very poor town in West Virginia where the only business was the mine. Hmm. And his father was the manager of the mine and very influential in the town, but not in a fat cat kind of way, just in a working man who everybody respects kind of way, who he was the first person down. 
if there was an emergency to kind of help dig people out, all this mm. kind of stuff. And, um, but nobody wanted to go into the mines, of course, that's a dead end, but there wasn't really a way out because this was 1957. Mm. So there is one point where the kid has to go work on the mines. The father then can join him. And it's just a very short speech, but the father suddenly expresses how he feels about being in that mine. This is clearly his passion. This is where he is himself. It fulfills him. And it's a lovely little look at this guy and also the fact that he loves having his son there doing it with him. He just He's like, and you can do this too. And the son, of course, is like, oh, I don't think so. You know, I don't want to be underground. I want to be in the stars. So mm. they clearly one of the aspects of that movie is that they can't connect over this, even though they're very similar personalities, you find out. But it's that whole idea of I want to pass on to you what gives me so much satisfaction and fulfillment. I want this for you. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've it's seen that as described. The one I was thinking of had Sam Neill in it. And it had something to do with... Uh, being in Australia? Is that wrong? <laughs> Is that October we, something? We didn't watch that movie? It's called The Dish. Oh, The Dish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did we? I don't... Maybe it's just on my list and I've meant to watch it. Okay. Yeah, okay, The so Dish I, is I, a very good movie. We haven't seen yeah, it. I'm just going to look up here. <laughs> no, it's not on our list. I, don't think, I didn't think we did. Yeah, we've done so many movies now. Yeah. Oh, um, no question. That is one of my husband's favorite movies oh, and I it is it. a great movie and we yeah. should do it sometime okay cool yeah yep sign me up <laughs> yep i love it but um anyway but the whole thing mm. was that that moment of expressing through my work this is so fulfilling it helps make me more of who i am mm. you know yeah, and um yeah. that's what happens when he gives him the knife and also when he's part of the working crew, the everyday working yeah, crew, making yeah. sandwiches and everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember a uh, phone call, you know, where, where his mom calls, you know, <laughs> yes. and then the chef is talking to her and he's like, I'm a line cook, <laughs> yelling at him, you know, over the phone. But that, mm -hmm. it, was, it was really great. You know, there was yeah. a lot of pride there and he's having a great time. Yeah, he um, can't really stop to talk to her. Mm -hmm. He's busy. <laughs> Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. And that relationship with his ex-wife—that was interesting too. It might have been interesting mostly because it was so atypical. Um, but, <laughs> yes. but I did like the portrayal of a divorced couple that didn't hate each other. You know that—that that is positive. <laughs> That's nice. You know. Well, yeah, because mm. what there was, you got the feeling that his work and lack of anchor maybe is yeah, what drove yeah. them apart yeah you never are sure but yeah it was something something like well, that yeah because she clearly still was friendly toward him she clearly would have welcomed any overtures from him mm -hmm. yeah. and the one time she snaps at him it's about the that little waitress you mm. know yeah yeah so and it was funny because when i was first watching this movie i was like looking at john favreau and he's got a wife who looks like his ex-wife <laughs> and he has, or Inez, that's her name. Mm -hmm. And then he's got Scarlett Johansson also interested in him. And I'm like, really? He must what cook kind of really, really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what kind of an ego is it that makes the movie director 
do this. And then I was reading a review of this movie by somebody who had worked in a restaurant hmm. who really enjoyed the, as they said, uh, this is food porn. I could just watch it over and over. But they were talking about those relationships and said, you know, it looks ridiculous, but there is the power of celebrity and restaurant culture. Hmm. And it's like, oh, right. We all know the rich guy who doesn't look like much, but he's got a beautiful wife or the celebrity who has all the girls flocking around or guys, depending on who it is, you know, and um, the restaurant culture is that way too, you mm -hmm. know, and there's also the idea of power in the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. and uh, this didn't seem to be based on that because it seemed to be based on them l genuinely liking each other. Yeah. Because she's very generous. This is one of those really easy moments. That's the thing. It's so full of easy moments when real life is never going to be as easy as it is with his ex-wife. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a small amount of conflict over how he treats the kid. You can see she'd like to be back with him. But it's all very soft. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And um, Agreed. with the waitress, too, or the hostess, too, Scarlett Johansson, who's like, you should go. You should do this. You haven't been happy for a long time. I want you to That's be happy. Very go ahead true. and go. It's That's fine. That's very true. Yeah, whatever you need. Like, oh, really? Whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, you want a food truck? Yeah, you have to clean it up. But here's your food truck. No problem. I mean, funny. everything he yeah. needs is given. Oh, hey, I just thought I'd quit my job and come and join you. <laughs> oh, now that you're cooking good food, I'd like to back you in your own restaurant. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. He has these trials, but the biggest trial he has is overcoming his own personal, internal way of looking at things. Because everybody's falling over themselves to give him stuff. That's right. Agreed. But, I know, agree with that 100%. Yep. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. the thing is, is it's still fun to watch. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's fun. What a fun movie. Yeah. Well, I also really liked that he went to Roy Choi, yes, who yeah. is a food truck chef who I don't watch extras on movies much, but I've watched him on this. And um, one of the big things about this movie is he only agreed to train John Favreau if he promised, if Favreau promised to be absolutely authentic in how he showed professional cooking. Hmm. So he made him go to a week of French culinary school where he had to learn knife skills and how to make sauces. And then he made him work in his own restaurant or kitchens doing really menial tasks like picking parsley. <laughs> and it said it was designed to keep him focused on the small details and serve as a method acting exercise to understand the mindset of a professional chef. You know, and I would think, that would be something a director would understand because they also have a very pressurized environment where they have to have do things repetitively, keep track mm. of all this stuff. And, um, yeah. and details, yeah. Details. A lot of menial tasks. All those little detail oriented yeah. things. And then, um, the ex, one of the extras shows him training, uh, Favreau and how to make that sandwich that we were talking about. Mm hmm. The sandwich is the only thing in the world. Nothing else is going going on around you is important, the guy says. And I was like, <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for anybody who's good at what they do, that is how much you have to care. Yeah. I mean, I've had heated battles with people over 
do you italicize the punctuation behind an italic word or around an italic word? <laughs> yeah. The standard was changed relatively recently, and I was like, nope, nope. It's about keeping your eye going. This is what, you know. And they're like, no. Uh, yeah, so, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I feel the same way in a lot of what I do. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, no, 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 no. That is not right. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only the other people would ever see the light and go, I've made a terrible I mistake. I just don't understand it. You know, I should be treated like the chef in this movie. Yeah. Everyone should say whatever it is that you need. <laughs> just give it to me. You've got it. Yeah. That's right. Right. Everyone is in is in orbit around myself. It's funny how life is not like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone's in their own movie, right? Mhm. <laughs> yeah, everyone's the star of their own movie. Right. <laughs> and we can't and we're explaining the story to ourselves as we go along. Yep. Yep. So. So yeah. Yep. I need a, some big stunts and to occur in, in my movie. <laughs> Or some nice knife skills. That's right. Depending on what you're doing. You bet. Well, I guess you're teaching, so you need those classroom moments where That's the kids right. all suddenly get it, or the difficult kid gets it. <laughs> exactly. Maybe you're more of a Remember the Titans kind of a movie. <laughs> Teamwork. Maybe so. That's right. Teamwork. Yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. How about the Helvetica documentary let's not even talk about Helvetica (laughs) I'm sorry I also watched all the extras to that and I was agreeing with the one guy who's like Helvetica seriously that he helped I think he did was it Futura or my husband would know instantly Uh oh my gosh and after that movie everybody in our office watched it and then one person was going I never thought about Helvetica and I'm like oh man come here and look at Gil Sands so mm-hmm. much more elegant. And she's like, no, I really like Futura. So we were <laughs> all gathered around the computer looking oh, wow. at the samples and pointing out, look at that F. Oh, but the S. <laughs> Come on. Were there any Comic Sans fans? I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> it's worse than a chocolate lava cake. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, shoot. What was that? What was that short? I think it was a Saturday Night Live thing or something about... Um, Papyrus. That's it. I I could see it in my mind, but I could not think of the name. And I was like, and that was correct. That whole thing was right. We were laughing, but because it was correct. Oh my. <laughs> in our house, that's kind of a little, you know, we like that spot a that's lot. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Use it for Bible stuff. It's papyrus. Yes, it's that's when I was doing book covers, and they go, "I want it to look more Bible-y, more scripture-ish." Oh, I'll put some papyrus on that. That's fine. <laughs> oh, too funny. Yeah, now you're gonna have to link to that. Mm-hmm. I will. I will. Yeah, yep. love it. Love it. Well, anyway, yep. I, um, what a great movie. Yeah, it's. There's something about it, and I guess it's that combination of showing us all those sounds and textures and visuals of the food, and just the themes are themes that we all understand, and they're gently presented, but I don't know. It's a very engaging film, I think. Yeah, yeah I thought so, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was right there. It was just very well done. <laughs> mm. I showed this at one place, and then a few 
weeks later, I showed um, spinning plates, which Ooh, we talked yeah. about already. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, one guy who just was, he could not rave enough about Chef. He loved it so much. And he's like, well, Chef did it better. I was like, oh, what you said. <laughs> they both have their points. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Chef was better. <laughs> so. Oh, man. That makes a good double feature. We need to show him Ratatouille now. Maybe he'll love that. Oh, my gosh. Another amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's because when you re- they did their research right. Yep. yep. They went to Thomas Keller, who mm-hmm. at that point especially was one of the most famous chefs in the U.S. Yeah. with the French Laundry. The French Laundry, and right. went to Paris. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. that and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> and that has a commentary on critics, too. Yeah, you're right. There is a critic oh, yeah. in that. That's a huge part of the movie. Mm-hmm. So. That is true. That's very mm-hmm. true. Not as kindly put. Not, <laughs> there's some redemption, but not as, it's more scathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to give that you another the film look. people coming out of that. <laughs> Remy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I liked that movie. Are they going to make a a part two, Ratatouille 2, like they're doing? No, don't bring that up. We don't need it anymore. It was fine. It was perfect. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just curious if they're really going to do it. Don't give them the idea. Um, well, it says <laughs> Patton Oswalt on possible Ratatouille sequel. So it's being discussed, it looks yeah. like. Sure, because after Incredibles 2, which was good, but it was not what it could have been. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was not what the first one was. And then I heard that it was because Pixar actually had it scheduled to come out next year mm. instead of this year, and they rushed it. And I was like, yeah, they would have cleaned the story up some and not just rolled all the characters back to where they were before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good, but yeah, yeah. it was not Incredibles, so... Right. For me. Mm-hmm. Of yep. course, you may like the chocolate lava cake. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> and it was not chocolate lava cake. Yet. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say about it? I don't think so. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah but thanks again for picking it. I really enjoyed it. it was, and it oh. really is perfect summer. Yeah. You know, yeah. going out with them in the summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really good. On mm-hmm. your road trip. Right. Your road trip. Yeah, road trip time. Yep. Good. I'm it's glad. on the shelf. It's on the, the <laughs> pool room shelf. Yeah, it's my pool room. <laughs> For cool. sure. So now, uh, let's see. Next, we're going to go to a another, you know, kind of a light summer read. <laughs> the War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Let's destroy the world, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. But in many ways, it is a light summer read. This yeah. is the kind of stuff I always would grab from the library and read when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the science fiction and mm-hmm. fantasy and fun stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Well, I love it. Wonderful. Yep. The War of the Worlds. So. Okay. All right. Get well, your supplies in your basement. That's What's right. Happening? Fill your basement with stuff. The world's ending <laughs> in two weeks. That's right. <laughs> Oh, funny. All right. Well, have a good uh, couple of weeks, and thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.